This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Hi there, curious minds out there in our ever-expanding radio land. Welcome to CC with BB. Connecting with Coincidence with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. That's me. This is the only radio show in the world dedicated to the study of coincidences, synchronicity, and serendipity. We are coming to you through the X-Zone Broadcast Network located in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, and broadcasting all over the world. What is the relationship between mind and brain? Does brain produce consciousness, or does the greater consciousness produce the brain? How do mind and brain interact with each other? I'm a psychiatrist. I study this question in my office. I help people with medications and with psychotherapy. I work in both the mind and the brain. You need your mind to recognize the coincidence and your brain to talk about it. Coincidence, synchronicity, spoken here. Remember that coincidences alert us to the mysterious hiding in plain sight. In other words, coincidences alert us to possible causal connections not recognized by modern science. The phrase connecting with coincidence is my coincidence brand. It is the name of my book, my Psychology Today blog, my website, and my social media sites. To find any and all of them, please put connecting with coincidence in your search engine. Would you like to know how sensitive you are to coincidences? Take the Weird Coincidence Survey on my website, Connecting with Coincidence. Our guest today is Dr. Jim Carpenter, and he knows answers to some tough questions. Think about this story. The mother of of six-year-old Ruth went into town to shop when she suddenly had the feeling, keep that in mind, she suddenly had the feeling that she must return home. Where's Ruth? Where's Ruth? She demanded of the babysitter. She's at Anne's. Anne was her six-year-old playmate. The mother rushed over to Anne's house, but Anne's mother thought she was at Ruth's. Uh Uh-oh. On autopilot, Ruth's mother drove down the street, over the railroad track, parked, ran through a gate, up a little hill, and down to an old quarry now filled with water. There at the edge sat both children with their shoes off, ready to wade into the quarry. Unfortunately, they would have drowned because the sides of that old quarry were very deep. Ruth's mother acted upon and was guided by some instinct she couldn't explain. Or this story. When I was eight or nine, my father quit his job as manager of a five-and-dime store to buy and sell cattle in the farming communities surrounding Cleveland, Ohio. He knew I desperately needed a dog, and one day he brought home a six-week-old puppy, black with tan and white splotches, who liked to chew on trees. I named him Snapper, and we became best buddies. By example, he taught me bad habits that are still with me, like scratching his back when nervous and making smacking noises while eating. One day, Snapper disappeared. I became frightened and asked my mother where he was. She didn't know and suggested I go to the police station near my elementary school. I rode my bike the usual route to school, cut across the playground, crossed the big street, and pushed the bike up the stairs and the long walk to the front of the police station. A man in uniform sat behind the large desk. He shook his head when I asked him, had he seen my dog? Sorry, son, we haven't seen your dog. Tears flooded my eyes as I left. I wasn't paying attention to where I was going. I went down the stairs, and instead of recrossing the big street, I mistakenly rode the sidewalk on the right side of the street. 
sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. I looked up, and coming toward me was a black dog walking in Snapper's sideways style. Could it be? Could it be? Yes, it was Snapper. He was casually happy to see me, jumping up on my legs, letting me pet his head. He seemed to be asking me why I'd taken so long to find him. Jim Carpenter is both a clinical psychologist and a research parapsychologist. He is clinical associate professor in the Department of Psychiatry of the University of North Carolina School of Medicine. He has been active in the governance of several professional societies and carries on an active private practice. Dr. Carpenter has published widely in psychology and parapsychology. For many years, he has provided pro bono clinical consultation for persons who seek help for what they think are psychic experiences. He recently published a book developing a theory of psi called First Sight, ESP and Parapsychology in Everyday Life, published by Rowan and Littlefield. He was awarded the Charles Horrington Award by the Parapsychological Association, for which he was also recently their president. Jim has, has a theory about Ruth and her mother and Snapper and me, how we found each other. I first thought of these ideas in reading Rex Stanford's ideas of PMIR, Psi Mediated Instrumental Responses. And as we come to the close of this segment, I will be asking Jim about how he has advanced the ideas of a leading parapsychologist, Rex Stanford, in trying to understand how people find their ways to places that they don't know how they got there, but it sure works out well. So, Jim, we will continue this discussion in our next segment. We'll be back after a short break. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good to Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers. Have you wondered who built Stonehenge and for what reason? 
wire crop circles found in the same region as Stonehenge and elsewhere? Are crop circles a hoax or are they created with technologies that we have little knowledge of? Who built the pyramids in Egypt and also in other countries? How and why were they built? Was the Titanic switched with the Britannic as part of a gigantic insurance fraud or for more insidious reasons? What caused the Tunguska event when trees were flattened over an 800 square mile area in Siberia? Will the new insights be too good to be true? Well, that will depend on what you are prepared to believe. Please join us as we start on this journey together. For more information on Too Good To Be True, visit www.xzbn.net. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Welcome back to CC with BB. Our guest today is Dr. Jim Carpenter, a well-known parapsychologist who's going to help me and hopefully you answer some questions about the story of Ruth and my dog, Snapper. Uh, Jim, welcome to the show. I'm delighted to be able to talk with you about these ideas. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Uh, I'm glad to know about your series also. Uh, Uh, Providing an interesting service. Thank thank you very much. And you're part of that very interesting service. Uh, We get out to a lot of people now, and you're going to be telling them something about uh, psi, telepathy, and precognition. And for me, this PMIR, uh, which is part of your first sight uh, thinking, could could you begin perhaps talking about how you understand the story of Ruth and story of Snapper? Okay, well, just uh, before that, the word about PMIR. Stanford um, wrote in the context of a period in parapsychology in which all people were thinking about was um, the results of experiments. And if you just read what people were saying, you would come away with the impression that psi is just a, a weird kind of thing that happens occasionally in laboratories. And um, Stanford was the first one to explicitly move beyond that and say that um, probably if psych occurs in the laboratory, it's something that we can use in everyday life when the need arises. And so he had a kind of a need-based idea for for how psychic connections can emerge. And um, my theory expands on that and, and develops a picture of how um, psi works as a part of all, all our unconscious processing that's going on all the time. Would you, pl- uh, would you please define psi, P-S-I, for our audience? Well, psi is a, a blanket term that covers uh, telepathy, precognition, clairvoyance, remote viewing, psychokinesis. It's, it's connections with the world, um, cognitive and active connections that are outside of um, our ordinary sensory reach and beyond the limits of our bodies and beyond the limits of the present moment even. Very good, very good. So we connect with things, but all this is going on basically at an unconscious level. It, It isn't a conscious process, and when it elements of it emerge into consciousness, it's uh, it's something you uh, are always surprised by and you're a little confused about and you're never quite totally sure how to interpret. So they're emergences from the unconscious. They're rather like dreams in that respect. I would add also glad sometimes when they emerge into awareness. It can be very happy. It can be very happy um, and extremely useful. Yes. Uh, 
But sometimes it's extremely useful. Sometimes it's only uh, a little bit useful. The, you know, the the story with the dog. There's a a great need to to find that dog. And yes, um, we don't know in that story if um, exactly who's reaching out to whom and where the uh, <laughs> where the lines of connection might be. It's both but the of fact us. that both of them both turn up on the street at the same moment. Is this you and your dog? Yes, it was me oh, and my okay. dog. Oh, yeah. The fact that you and your dog turned up on the same street at the same time um, suggests that some kind of unconscious connection was going on that neither oh. of you were aware of and that brought both of you to the same place at the same time. Yeah, and I, I made one wrong turn. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, a couple of years ago, I went back and looked at a map of the Shaker Heights um, where all this took place. And mm-hmm. from my house to where Snapper met me, he had to make four different turns, correct turns, at four different intersections to get to me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, dogs don't, don't think the way people think. So <laughs> who knows? how he experienced his little choices. But but you could experience your choices as kind of odd, as mistakes and so forth. Uh, It reminds me of the story of the person on September 11th, 2001, who um, had the impulse to get off the subway on his way to the World Trade Center because he suddenly realized he wanted to bring a co-worker a present, uh, uh, some flowers. And his delay in getting the flowers and getting back on the subway was enough to keep him out of the building before it was... Um, he arrived after the buildings had been struck, and so he was not part of the devastation. It's so like sometimes a, those it's, mistakes it's, have, have very big implications for us. Yeah, Rex Stanford uh, likes to use... a. Uh, Taken, having a feeling of going one way or another on a highway and missing uh, a, a problematic uh, roadblock. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that's one of his. And so they do. These do have functional uh, capacities for us. Um, and let's 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 talk about how how this happens in more details and expand other to other kinds of uh, situations. It's sub it's unconscious or subconscious. It bursts into awareness, sometimes uh, happy, sometimes confusing. I know you see people who sometimes are flooded with too many of these and wonder what's wrong with them. Are they getting psychotic? Uh, I have people who, who's and I write about people who uh, get overwhelmed by too many coincidences, which are much related to uh, what you're describing yeah yeah there and anybody well a lot of people probably are capable at some time or another in their life of having sort of an extremely open period that a psychiatrist might think of as schizotypal um, sort of flooding of connections and meanings and so forth and um and that can that can be part of um, I think that's going to be psychologically meaningful, and the things that do pop up then um, if they're if they're really delusional, it's not difficult to see that from the outside, even though the person caught up in it um, is is certainly not think of them thinking of them as delusional right um, but there there just isn't uh, a substance of real connection in the in the stories, whereas sometimes people just have many of these in the course of a day, and it's often a period in which their personality is undergoing a lot of shift and their lives are undergoing a lot of disruption and can be a positive disruption. People report this kind of thing when they fall in love, for example. Yes. Just lots of, lots of connections that are rather glorious. One of the principles uh, I've come across, and you're you're supporting it, um, about coincidence formation. A coincidence is a very general term, and we're going to get as we talk more and more about um, psi and what you mean with first sight. But the idea of transition and high emotion, as well as need, are characteristics of of what a friend of mine calls coincidentiality, uh, circumstances mm-hmm. that increase the uh, the likelihood of coincidences. Yeah, yeah. I th- those are the very same factors that 
make it more likely that someone is going to succeed in a laboratory test of ESP and PK. So that there really isn't a line between the laboratory and the um, and the experiences we run across spontaneously in our lives. Uh, the, the same factors are at work. It's the, the first side theory is a is a way of trying to think about how the mind uses unconscious material, either uses it positively and incorporates it into decisions and uh, physiological responses and experiences, or sometimes incorporates it into the something that goes on in the world uh, with an inanimate object. Um, and there tries to state what the implicit rules are for that, and in a way that they can be studied better. And um, and could I go, you, could you elaborate? I go through a lot you, of research uh, that that has been done to uh-huh. kind of hold it up against the theory and find that it, in fact, um, squares pretty well with the sorts of results we've accumulated over the last century. Are you describing, if I understand you correctly, the the rules by which a person can understand some of these uh, intuitive, I'll call them, unconscious messages? No, the, the, the rules governing when they emerge and when they don't. It's oh, okay. Just like you said, okay. strong need and, and all that. Okay, um, okay. okay that's it, it, let me give you a very minor example that uh, just popped into my email this morning. I like those. I like those. It, it, it's cool. And so it, this is not especially noteworthy, but the fact that it popped up this morning makes it seem <laughs> apropos. This Correct. is a, yes. this yes. is a client who's who I've worked with for an, a long time, and uh, he's had a way of reporting his dreams to me. He's, I've I've read hundreds of his dreams, and this whenever he dreams of me. It always, I think invariably, has something interesting to say about something that's going on with me. <laughs> and he, he doesn't tend to think of it this way, although he's become persuaded that he does have these uh, psychic connections. Um, <clears throat> and has even made use of it some. But in, in general, he's he's he started out as a person who really had trouble making relationships, trusting anybody, having any sort of um, uh, emotional connection to anybody that wasn't very partial and angry and suspicious and so forth. And um, he's come miles and miles and miles since that beginning point, although it's, like all of us, it's a work in progress. And the, his dream was um, he's, he's in my house and there's a family gathering and it's very warm and convivial and he feels welcome even though he isn't a member of the family and he eats it's it's all very germanic somehow it's as if there's a, a german theme in the air and there are lots of uh germans around and he eats a, a german apple cake and realizes that it's really good and the um the thing that's coincidental with me is that I just did an Ancestry.com um, DNA analysis, and I was surprised to discover that I have a whole bunch of German in my genetic heritage. And um, I've been intrigued with that and a little ambivalent about that, I guess, Um given our historical experience with Germany in in recent uh, decades. And it's an appropriate issue for this guy because um, uh, he's come, like I say, to be much more trusting and have much better relationships with his family and his friends and uh, a love relationship and so forth, and, um, and certainly with me too. And... He doesn't know that there's anything German about me, but a German person is the sort of person, as a as a Jewish man from New York, it's, it's someone he might not immediately think he would uh, have much connection, much positive connection with. Uh-huh. And so it, it's it's a nice dream in the sense that it shows, plus he's, he only recently has come to be able to eat in a dream and experience satisfaction with it. Which the idea that the world can be nourishing is this uh, 
developing theme that's very very nice. Very good. So anyway, very good. Uh, it's, uh, it's it's just a nice little connection there, and it connects with something that I've been uh, kind of uh, dealing with for the last couple of days. So. That's really cool. Uh, it's it, yes, it's minor, but it resonates uh, and it fits with uh, our program. I, I find coincidences happen around this program sometimes as well. Well, mm-hmm. we've come, we've come to the end of this segment, Jim, and we will be at, back after a short break. Okay. are our personal gateways into infinite wisdom. Don't miss Shamanic Counselor and Indigenously Trained Dream Decoder, Sandra Corcoran's inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles Sandra's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers and her initiations throughout the Americas and across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt. Sandy's knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth influenced her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private tarot readings, international journeys, a meditative CD, as well as her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate this earthwalk, creating a deeper connection to yourself and all that is. Find this and more at Sandy's website, StarwalkerVisions.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today, Know the Name, Know the Person, or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen.
Welcome back to CC with BB. Our guest today is parapsychologist and psychologist, Dr. Jim Carpenter. And we just had a little nice coincidence uh, correlated in time with uh, our program. And we've seen this before. Uh, it When uh, this program happens, um, I think it creates a little whirlpool of uh, coincidentiality. It increases the likelihood of coincidence. And I've just, I just keep collecting these uh, the stories because we had several in the past uh, that somehow not only this program, but just your thinking about coincidences, talking to the audience, will increase the likelihood of them and talking with other people about them will too. Jim, could you, um, could you talk about how coincidences can be understood in first sight theory? Yeah, I think um, first sight theory says that um, as opposed to something anomalous and occasional and mysterious, um, sight is actually a natural capacity that is going on for all of us all the time. I think that's worth, I think that's worth saying again because it's hard for a lot of people to believe that and that's that's a huge contribution you are making to our thinking. Yeah, the idea is that um psi is an unconscious process that everyone is using at every moment to deal with a very big expanse of reality that's far beyond the limits of our body and our present moment and the little eruptions of coincidences and ESP experiences and PK experiences that we see are just um, little hints of that process going on all the time. And the natural function of that process is to guide us in making the best, informing the best experiences, most useful responses to reality as it develops. It's it, it functions the same way that subliminal perception does. We think of subliminal perception as an odd thing that just uh, occasionally uh, gets people to buy things they don't need or to vote in ways they don't really want to vote or something. But actually, subliminal perception is something that's going on constantly. We're constantly getting little um, pre-conscious bits of information and for, based on research, we know that the mind is constantly using this pre-conscious information to help us form our perceptions and our actions, our decisions. Um, and the difference... you set up experiments that let, let you see how this works, you see that it's going on all the time. And First Sight says that ESP and PK are actually going on all the time in the same way. We're continually using them. The, to make the to, to, to sharpen the line between subliminal and um, psi uh, perceptions, uh, subliminal is still relying on the basic five senses for information. Where, yeah. where first sight theory talks about a different a first sight, sixth sense, whatever term uh, is best, but in this case, the first sight idea is that's going on at a different level of perception. Yeah, it's going on. It, it's saying that um, the same processes that go on with subliminal perception, which are tiny little bits of sensation, uh, are actually going on far beyond the body, too, that, um, without any sensation. Uh, I, have you looked at ocular saccades as a form of um, subliminal uh, perception? Oh, sure. I mean, I follow the research that... that um, as well as I have time to, I follow the research that uses that as a, as an operation. I have a question because I have a little theory about some coincidences. Because what I what I'm trying to do is categorize coincidences by several different ways: by um, by form, by process, by uh, usefulness or use, and explanation. And mm -hmm. one explanation I keep coming across um, for some is uh, that we see something out of quote the corner of our eye, but we mm -hmm. don't recognize that we saw it, and then say, "Wow, I just thought of that." And there it is. Yes, yes, yes. We, we, we that's the way subliminal perceptions emerge into consciousness. We get little hints, and then they and then they pop up. Um, 
and that's exactly the way we see ESP things in 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 dreams or in um, uh, impulses or moods. The the funny impulse the man had to buy flowers for someone that he mm-hmm. liked for a long time but had never before bought flowers for him before. Though I mean, that impulse came up just the right moment, it sort of popped out of nowhere, and only later did he think hmm, there was an interesting coincidence there. Right. Uh, let me give you a little story I just read uh, yesterday. Um, uh, a woman hears a voice, and the question really is about the hearing voices. Here's mm-hmm. a voice that tells her she's got to go to the hospital. There's something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she goes to a psychiatrist. They put her on antipsychotic medications. Obviously, that doesn't do anything. Eventually, she ends up listening to the voice and going to a hospital, getting a brain scan. And even though she had no symptoms, she insisted on having her brain looked at. And there mm-hmm. was a large, thankfully benign tumor in her brain that was continuing to would have continued to grow. So this voice, and this is this is a question about what form the psi information comes to a person, it seems to me that sometimes that information comes in the form of a voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is, is, that, do you, is that true? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. A voice, um, uh, funny music that comes into your head, a, huh. a dream that you recall, uh, a mistake, uh, turning the wrong way and having it be meaningful and, yeah. and helpful. Yeah, um, there there are all kinds of little inadvertent ways that we see indications of of this psychic connection. Well, the voice and is a, voice scares mm-hmm. people. Uh, it's when they when it seems like it's from outside. I mean, an impulse to go this way instead of that, for example, or get off the train for the reason that you mentioned, is different for the experiencer. Yeah. yeah. For, and and that's that's why I'd ask you to talk a little bit more about the voice is kind of a uh, a separate uh, I'll say distinct interesting and um, a more volatile uh, kind of uh, experience. Yeah, well, the the voice that has a that we experience as having a kind of autonomy certainly yes. grabs our attention if you're if you're not used to having those experiences. Um, I've I have had experiences like that for a long, long time. I don't consider them particularly strange, personally, at this point. And they're often very useful. Um, And it's not exactly like, um, you know, talking with you and and hearing what you're saying. It's it's sort of on a border between inside and outside. But it's outside enough that it has an autonomy. Um, And what, what those voices say can surprise you. I I cultivated the ability to have these voices um, years ago with, when I trained as a Gestalt therapist. And as a Gestalt therapist, you you might sit ac- across from an empty chair and ask the, uh, your client to do this and carry on a conversation with someone who isn't there. And when when you get into this role play in a in an emotional way, you're really engaged, uh, you really see that person, and they really say things to you. And often they're things you don't want to hear, and they're things that really surprise you. So they're they're quite autonomous. And when that happens, they're always important. Now, when it just pops up that all of a sudden there's a voice in your head and there never has been a voice in your head before, that can feel weird and frightening. Um could but it isn't necessarily a sign of anything uh, malignant going on. Obviously, it could be something helpful. Could you tell us how you cultivated this uh, autonomous-seeming voice for in your mind? Well, if you, like I say, if if, if you uh, are engaged for a while with Gestalt therapy, you do a lot of uh, role playing with. Um, People who aren't there, someone who was badly treated by their father might, um, the therapist brings the father into the room, sits him across on a couch and says, can you see him? Yes. Um, what's he look like? What's he wearing? And uh, and then you have a conversation. And after a few minutes, if the person is really involved with this, um, you will have very vivid descriptions of the person and like I say they'll start saying things that um, 
I mean, it's 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 the client's voice who's uttering all this, and you might have them switch chairs. Now you're your father, and you're talking. And at this point, you you really get into that position, and you say lots of things that you might never have thought you would say. And then you switch back, and you respond to that. And if you do this kind of work for a while, you get really comfortable with um, with voices and visions that have an autonomy to them and that will surprise you with their contents. And they, they tell you the truth in really interesting ways. I can see that some of those, some of the voices of that other person in the other chair um, are part of what I would call my subconscious and part of some of it seems like it's sigh from what you're describing. I never thought of it this way. But uh, there seems to be uh, a borderland between what I could say is normal subconscious uh, descriptors um, and something that's sigh. Um, well, that, that's, and that's where first sight comes in, too, because uh, what, what I say in first sight is that at an unconscious level, these things are totally mixed together. What we think of as my normal personal unconscious is really totally mixed together with uh, who that person actually is. Uh, Elizabeth Mintz, who was a group therapist uh, a number of years ago, told this fascinating story where she's in uh, she's in a group uh, and the patient asks her to role play her mother and she had this patient has no conscious memory of her mother um, and so Elizabeth wasn't sure it would that would make much sense to do that but she, but it was a heartfelt request so she agreed and in the process of this role play um, Betsy Mintz started to find that she couldn't talk very well it's as if she had a speech impediment and and uh, these weird sounds started coming out of her that were kind of guttural, and she said were, were pig-like. It was like a pig grunting. And um, um, and then she had this murderous impulse toward the patient as a child and un- felt this huge need to for to have the child go away for the child's protection. That is, like, you need to go away or I will kill you. And um, this brought back memories that the patient had never had before consciously of them being beaten by her mother when she was real little and seeing how out of control the mother was and then suddenly understanding why the mother had sent her away. Um, that is so... And her way to save her life. That is so and anyway, cool. that's the sense they made out of it. And in the process of this, Betsy was sort of channeled this woman. Yeah. Or at least that's how it ended up feeling to all of them, and it was therapeutically very useful. We're coming to the end of this segment, and what you've just done for me in, as I do therapy is that I can more consciously call on, call on my patient's capacity for first sight um, connections. Yeah. We'll be back. We will be back after a short break. Are you curious? Do you want to learn more about how the world works and have fun at the same time? Study coincidences with me, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, on my Connecting with Coincidence radio show here on the XZBN network. Listen to Jungians theorize, statisticians randomize, true believers evangelize while I categorize. I dance to the rhythm of coincidences. People who experience me see more of them. Maybe something on the show matches a thought in your mind. Let us know. Expand your mind to the weirdness happening around you. Synchronicity spoken here, there, and everywhere. For more information, put Connecting with Coincidence in your search engine and find my website, my social media sites, and my blog. This 
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. B, connecting with coincidence, the only radio show in the world dedicated to the study of synchronicity, serendipity, and meaningful coincidences. And our guest today, Jim Carpenter, is informing uh, me and would inform lots of therapists who are open to it to be able to call on uh, our patient's capacity as well as ours to pick up on first sight capacities. Jim, that's a great idea. Uh, I can do it. Um, and I know when I talk sometimes, I don't know where it comes from when I'm talking to patients. And, sure. and But I, I see the idea of when I patient asks me something and I turn the question back to them, that I'm really asking them to uh, garner and gather the evidence that they have from wherever it is to answer the question. And that's going to include subconscious and uh, first sight capacities. Right. It that's right. That's we right. never have to know that, but it's. Uh, I, I think we have good evidence that it's going on all the time and constantly uh, contributing to our experience. 
Well, it helps me to be more intentional about doing it. I won't know where some of it comes from. I do pick. I uh, I do pick up. Um, call it empathy. Sometimes it's cognitive empathy. What's going on in my patients as if it's an autonomous thing where I pick it up from them and I know it's not me kind of like making it up myself or making some logical deduction, but I can see what's going on sometimes in a patient's mind. And uh, that's that's not an uncommon uh, experience. Uh, Even Freud talked about being able to be telepathic in a uh, psychotherapeutic session. So would you talk about why psychotherapy seems to be a fertile place in which to observe meaningful meaningful coincidences? Yeah, yeah. Um, let me just back up just a step because in, in trying to uh, articulate the factors that make it more likely that we'll see evidence of these connections. Very good. Um, I've I've used uh, I've spent a lot of time thinking through research on long-term memory, research on subliminal perception, on um, uh, intuition, creativity. Um, I sort of pulled from a lot of different sources in mainstream psychology as well as parapsychology, and and came up with um, what seemed to be some general patterns that affect all these things. How we draw useful material from these unconscious sources and um, there are some individual differences that matter Um, being a a characteristically open-minded person helps Uh, being relatively free of anxiety helps Uh, there are situational factors Uh, when we're cognitively working on something and thinking hard about something you can expect sight to go out of sight and to disappear to, to virtually never be obvious um, it's periods where we're more we're playful and unfocused and spontaneous that you're much more likely to see the emergence of these things um, like I say being kind of rapturously in love is a good is, is a, a good way to be for this um, uh, the, the the information matters, too, whether or not the information is important. Um, uh, let me give you one example real quick of, uh, of a kind of uh, connection that isn't mental as much as physical. This, this was a, um, a, a woman who was given to poltergeist experiences. Uh, that is, things around her would um, move and uh, uh, noises and... Um, breakages and things spontaneously and well, I'm I've I've seen enough of this sort of thing from this person and from others to to have gotten over most of my doubt in the, in a few cases and this is one of them but at at this particular point in time uh, she and her husband both were very involved in um, working with the um, um, challenger Space Exploration Program, one of the um, um, uh, shuttle missions, and um, the um, they have a, a smoke alarm in their house, and the smoke alarm kept going off. It started going off, and it would they would fix it. It would go off again, and this happened uh, several times a day for um, almost a week for four or five days. And then um, the Challenger blew up. Everybody was killed, and there was this tragedy, and um, the smoke alarm stopped going off. Ah. It's as if the smoke alarm was, you know, saying, trouble ahead, trouble ahead, trouble ahead, which was being picked up from the future at an unconscious level and expressed not as a, an impulse or a or an image, or a voice, but as something that was going on outside the body in this smoke alarm. And this was a person who was prone to have physical things happen outside herself. So this was a, a kind of different kind of case. So her, her pre- and also, again, the, the information, what I, where I was going, where I was, yeah. the information's very important. Yeah. So that was really important information to those yeah. people at that point. Yeah. 
Yeah, the, her precognitive capacities were being channeled into the smoke alarm. Yeah, absolutely. Without, of course, them having any way of reading the situation until the tragedy occurs and then the smoke alarm stops and connect the dots and it all makes sense. And it's grandfather's clock a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. So why does psychotherapy seem to be a fertile place in which to observe meaningful coincidences? Well, the relationships can be very intense and important. Um, the um, You can have an atmosphere that's uh, highly focused and um, that's devoted to to understanding unconscious content, especially if the if the therapy is uh, has a psychodynamic kind of orientation. Um, there's an unusual degree of trust and safety and security that happens a lot of times. Um, so the information is very important. There's an openness um, into the situation. There's a deep interest in the information. Um, there is, is often a relationship issue that's being worked on by the by the client that is some inability to um, succeed in relationships in some way or another. And mm-hmm. so when mm-hmm. there's a connection between the two people, it's as if that problem is being directly addressed. That is, in fact, I am connected to people. It... it um, it is useful. It is helpful. It's something you can trust, and so forth. So it's a it's a um, it brings together a lot of the factors that research shows us um, facilitate the emergence of these connections. Um, and so it's often a, a fertile ground for having them. This doesn't mean that every therapist notices them. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a wonderful psychoanalyst, Jewel Eisenbud, who, yeah. uh, who collected a lot of stories of his own. And after he had a lot of material, he was sure that if he told his fellow analysts these stories, they would immediately tell him their own stories. And he was surprised and disappointed that, in fact, no, they never noticed anything like that. Hmm. So I think the interest of the therapist has to be uh, a factor too. That is, it's it's something that you have to be personally open to and interested in, and that helps bring it bring it about. And how ha- how have your fellow uh, therapists um, that you talk with reacted to your ideas? Well, they tend to be friendly people, so I don't. <laughs> it, it, the ones who think I'm crazy haven't told me so to my face. But mostly, I've. Um, I've get a lot of interest and uh, curiosity, and and uh, sometimes say one person in five will have their own stories that they're eager to tell because they thought those these things were interesting and they've noticed them too. Um, so it's it's it hasn't been a, a bad experience. The the reception from academic psychologists is much chillier. But clinicians tend to handle it okay. Uh, clinicians have to be open to a lot of different things. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, what you've done for me in talking about this is to be able to more consciously, more intentionally include uh, first sight thinking in my interaction with my patients. Jung used to say, or Jungians say, your problems walk in the office uh, mm-hmm. and and uh, that's an interesting idea but uh, I see patients fairly long term sometimes and what they're dealing with sometimes is just what I'm thinking about kind of like what your German example um, described in a little more detail they start talking about something that I am working on it's not even a dream it's some issue that I am uh, dealing with that they also quote spontaneously bring up there's so much connection that goes on between patients and therapists and you're helping us pay attention to that in a constructive clear-minded theoretically based uh, research supported uh, way and it's a great contribution that you're making Jim we're coming to the end of uh, of this segment and of the show Uh, I I just think you got something wonderful so would you please tell the audience where they can get a hold of your book Yes, uh, the book is uh, First Sight, um, 
and you can find it on Amazon, or you can write the publisher, uh, Roman and Littlefield. But um, Amazon or Barnes and Noble online both have it. And that's First Sight, ladies and gentlemen, and that's Dr. Jim Carpenter. And he's got very valuable ideas for those of us who are therapists and those of us walking around in the world. Thank you very much, Jim, for being on the show. Bernie, it's a pleasure. 